So, hello and welcome. My name is Steve Nabell, and today I'm speaking with Lorraine Flaherty on multidimensionality of the soul. Now, Lorraine works as a transformational therapist using a process she calls inner freedom therapy. She utilizes the tools of hypnotherapy, NLP, past life therapy, future life, ther- future life progression, life between lives, inner child therapy, ancestral healing, and spirit released. And she is the author of Healing with Past Life Therapy. So, hi, Lorraine. Hello. Hello. Good to be here. So it's a huge subject. So just to, you know, let's give some background. Um, in Christianity, the soul is almost like something we have and we can potentially lose. What do you understand about the nature of the soul? The thing that's become more and more clear to me over the years and the research that I've done, the work that, that I've done and the, the, the various probably thousands now of sessions with my clients is the fact that we know so little about the soul. The, the concepts and ideas that, that we're fed, I think, are so limited in, in, in what is actually the truth about what the nature of our soul really is. Mm. And I believe that the soul is just, it's an infinite eternal energy that is part of a, uh, a huge, uh, a, a huge, vast energy whether you want to call it God or source or whatever name we want to provide for it, that is infinite and limitless. Mm. And the individual souls are a, a, a part of that. So a bit like a, a huge ocean that spawns a lake, which spawns a river, which spawns you know, many little droplets. And, and, and it's just infinite and it's, it's continually expanding and evolving and changing. Yeah. And here we are in this lifetime and... Um you know, uh, uh, you know, I am part of the soul, but maybe the soul is vaster than just me, little Steve on this earth plane. Absolutely. And recognizing that all of us are individually uh, our own unique, distinct essence that, you know, the, the, the sort of the frequency, the, the, the energy that makes up our own soul. So we're all unique mm. and different. And yet we're all ultimately from the same source so at the same time we're the same and at the same time we're all connected and we are in fact one (laughs) with all of those and Mm. you know i know that some of the quantum physics have been trying to break down you know science is is coming around to some of the more spiritual ways of thinking now with regards to the soul Mm. and the energy that uh, that we're made of and it's it's actually discerning what is same what is different and i think that if more people have that concept or the idea that really understood this idea that we are all potentially from the the, the same space originally I, I think that we would have a lot more peace in the world because you know most if you think about it most wars and troubles are based on the fact that people think of themselves as different to or other than and uh and, and that's where most of the, the the troubles come from do you think the nature of the soul is to experience almost like every a possible experience on the earth plane every race every you know male female gender all, all of it absolutely i think that there are in my experience and, and what i've learned through through my work some souls are definitely uh here to experience more than others i think some souls probably in the same way of different personality types some of the souls are going to have committed for the, the long haul and, and really big and very difficult and, and huge challenges. And I think some other souls may have just chosen to come and experience life and experience events. And, and, and so, again, we can't 
we, we can't quantify everything as, as being the same, but certainly any any aspect of soul energy that chooses to come down to the earth plane to incarnate and to experience life within, within this realm and, and possibly, you know, we could be tapping into this later, you know, other realms as well, other dimensions and other planets. Mm. But certainly while they're here, there is definitely a need for there to be a, a balance to experience all aspects, so all sides of the same coin, as it were. So, yes, there will be lives as male and female. There will be lives as uh, rich and poor, of, uh, you know, ill and, and, you know, vibrantly healthy. There will be lifetimes as victims, lifetimes as perpetrators. It's that there is a balance that happens w- within this process of, of the soul's journey here. Yeah. It sounds very much like there's an intelligence behind the whole thing. It's not just random. And there may be even be a long-term aim, objective. You know, do you believe in, for example, people talk about Earth as a school of growth and soul essence? I do. And I think that that's a great analogy in many ways. And what I do believe is that there is a plan. There, there is a, a need for uh, the, sort of the learning and growth and, and the involvement of the soul, which I think that only through experience and trying out all aspects, all different versions of, of possibilities, yeah. uh, that, that we can move through the stages. But I also think that part of it is, in that balance, is about healing and uh, clearing any what I call glitches, if you like, in in the programs. So the, the, the old idea of karma, for instance, in that many people, including myself many years ago, used to believe that karma was the result of punishment and reward, mm. that if you did something bad, either in this lifetime or in another lifetime, that you would pay for that later, that there was yeah. going to be uh, an equal and opposite effect and, and that you would get punished. And what I've learned now is that actually it's not punishment it's just balance mm. so it really does come back to this idea that we were taught that you reap what you sow mm. so if you engage in something either with another soul or, or sometimes it's even just to mother earth you know if you if you make steps or take actions that are going to lead to either a positive or a negative outcome for someone or something mm. then that is going to come back on you and and there will there will be a, a balancing process that occurs in all of this. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you think of karma as almost like a feedback system? I know in coaching there's this idea of feedback. It's not, you know, punishment. But um, if you do this, you know, you're you know this is going to happen. So maybe come back this way. You, you know that kind of idea. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think that what happens within this web and this network of souls that are here on Earth is that we interact with other souls. And then in those interactions, we accrue what is effectively a karmic balancing that needs to happen. And as I've been exploring in not just other lifetimes, but also that that space between lives, so the place where people go to to plan for their lifetimes, where they're making choices and decisions about what they're going to work on, what tests and challenges they want to go through, Mm. and whether it means that they need to experience unconditional love or they need to experience being tested to see if they can unconditionally love, no matter what happens, because if they want the unconditional love, they've got to have the test to see whether they can Mm. experience it in all kinds of different situations, Mm. then they need people to volunteer to provide the tests. Mm. So they would need somebody that could be the, either the recipient or the provider of, uh, you know, wonderful feelings of unconditional love, and also somebody that's going to give them a really hard time. 
yeah. either abusing them or making them feel as though they're not worthy of love so that they can choose to, to step into the or stay in the energy of love or not. Yeah. And so that is, for me, what accrues the, the, the sort of the lessons and the learnings because we have to balance all of those karmic experiences that we have created with all other souls in order to evolve and grow and then, and then effectively move out of that cycle of lives that are here on the earth plane. That, I believe, is what the, the point of it is, to, to heal and resolve all of those things. So if we, if we leave this plane of existence, does that mean we continue on other planes? I believe so. When I first started doing this work many years ago, when I would take people into the, you know, to that to that realm and, and ask them to to find moments in time, moments in their soul's journey where particular aspects of karma or, or lessons or challenges were were set in place, it was generally uh, a, a norm that they would go into lifetimes on the earth plane. Yeah. But what I'm seeing now, and I think that this may be due to different levels of souls that are coming in at this time because we all know that it's a, a very interesting time on the on the planet yeah. more and more of my clients are now going to lifetimes that aren't actually on the earth plane that they're stepping into the lifetimes that they did have on other planets in other dimensions where they were in different forms where perhaps the lessons were slightly different mm. but it was all still about growth and allowing the soul to evolve right as you mentioned, we're in a very interesting period on the Earth plane. Um, mm. Some people think of it as an ascension, a, sh- a global shift. What are the kind of typical challenges that a lot of people are coming to you right now with? Well, most people seem to be coming in with a burning desire to step into their life purpose, but they feel like something's holding them back. Yeah. They feel like they're blocked. They feel like they're stuck. Things aren't comfortable they're not working in the way that they used to and many people are reporting that they really have this sense of something that they're meant to do and there's a frustration in not knowing how to get to it and what it is and i really do believe and i keep seeing this time and time again that on this on a soul level that many of the souls who are here at this time to make a difference and who are here to help with the the sort of the, the shift to a better way of being here on planet earth deliberately put blocks in place for themselves Mm. because they knew that if they if they stepped into the full awareness of who they really were and and why they were here and what it was that they were supposed to do before they and the rest of the people on the planet were ready Mm. that it would almost i hate this phrase but it kind of fits that they would sort of peak too soon So these these blocks, these um, little glitches, have been put in place so that they don't run ahead of themselves. Right. But now the tools and the resources, because there's so many new incredible techniques and processes that are coming out, so many new energy techniques and, and resources to, to get to that knowledge, I think the time now is, is absolutely right for people to wake up and to start acknowledging that. And, and so many of my clients have real eureka moments yeah. where the answer suddenly then presents itself. And it's not always what they think. Sometimes it's more complicated yeah. and, and they are being called to, to step up and, and create a platform and use their voice to really make a difference either in their community or in their, in their family system or sometimes even globally. And sometimes it can be something really small. It, mm. it can be something really, really simple. 
like just spreading joy or, or just being a loving person wherever they go so that they can shine that light and, and be an example to, to those around them. So it doesn't have to be that that life purpose or that, that life mission is, is going to suddenly create huge upheaval in their world and, and, and shatter everything. Yeah. Sometimes it's much simpler than people think. Right. What's a typical kind of, what kind of typical blocks are there that blocking people from knowing their life purpose? Many people were or found themselves in lifetimes in the past where they were persecuted for stepping out for what they believed in and may then fear of that persecution have led to them making a vow that they wouldn't speak up, that they wouldn't stand out. That's quite a common one. Yeah. What's, what's coming up more and more lately is rather than clients going into lifetimes where they were a victim or where they were uh, challenged or persecuted in some way, Many of them, and I know that this has certainly been the case for me personally when I'm, when I'm doing my own healing work and doing my own clearing work, is that a lot of them are going into lifetimes where they were the persecutor yeah. or where they were the one that abused their power in situations right. and where their energy, was sh- they, basically they were shut down. Yeah. Either by their own higher self, their, their own what I would like to call, I mean, Seth and uh, Jane Roberts that channeled Seth, and we used to call it the Oversoul. Yeah who would be our, our kind of, as it's, I would normally call it higher self, but the true essence of us that's closer to source than we are. It's the part that remains in the spirit realms, even though we're down here having all of these earthly experiences. Mm. And uh, so it's it's that. It's a, a, you know, the, a lot of it's guilt that right. they, they got it wrong yeah. and a fear that they might abuse that power again if they were allowed to, to, to have that position of authority and so we're having to go in and heal that we're having to go in and firstly provide them with the reasons why they would have experienced that which is always going to be a balance of the you know the light and dark mm. so in order to, uh, to to experience power they would have had to have done it benevolently and they would have had to have done it if you want to use the word malevolently then I had to done it in a, in a bad way yeah um, and to know to know that all of the souls that they may have abused or, or you know mistreated in those lifetimes would have signed up for it and that's a huge revelation for people yeah. because guilt is a massive weight around so many people's necks yeah do you find do you find in your work there what people talk about the akashic or soul records do you actually find there's a there's a, a kind of place where these things are kept that we can clear them for sure yes and the you know Jung talked about the the, the um, collective unconscious and whether we call it a library or, you know, for me, it's just a storehouse of information. And in the individual consciousness, which is where we go when I take people into, you know, the state of hypnosis or, or meditation, whatever you want to call it, into that focused state. So we can go in and access the data and the information about who they have been in all of their lifetimes. All of that data, it's all stored in there. And, and, you know, really hypnosis is just a key that allows you to open the door to get that information out. But when you dive in deeper into that space and, and you go into the deeper realms of the individual consciousness, it allows us access to the, the group consciousness. It allows us access to that data. And so, yeah, different names over the years. And that realm is a realm that is often portrayed or experienced in a symbolic way so the idea of it being a library or you know a a hall of akashic records is for me just a terminology and name that somebody has given for that vast database of information right okay yeah totally get it 
So let me ask yeah. you about some of these terms that people come out with, like um, soulmates, twin flames, these kind of soul connections that people have within their own soul, or maybe, uh, I guess this, these are terms really, we're talking about our own soul. What, what, what do you think about these kind of terms, these kind of, uh, where two people have an intensity about them, which is a really soul connection? Yeah, and this is more and more common, and I think it creates a bit of confusion for people sometimes, because I know when I'm working with people who are struggling either in relationships or wanting to find a relationship, this idea of there being a soulmate, that when you find them, suddenly your life is going to be happy and it's all going to work out, because this is the person that will see you and complete you. You know, Jerry Maguire, the movie, has a lot to be uh, <laughs> responsible for. Yeah, Great movie, not such a great line, you complete me, and very annoying, because actually what I know is that if people are searching for somebody else to complete them, they're always going to be left feeling as though they're lacking, and actually what people need to do is to become complete in and of themselves, because the outside world's always a mirror and a reflection, and then they can bring somebody else in complete, and and then it's amplified, rather than two pieces coming together as one. Um, But for me, there are many soulmates, so when we're in that space between lives... Time and time again, people will meet with their soul group, which is akin to the kind of family that we would have on Earth. So there is a a core group, usually, of souls, which can vary in number. It's different every time. I know me personally, I had 80 members of my soul group, but there were only seven that were my core soul group members. And so they were the ones that in most of my lifetimes would come back and play the significant role. So either my parents, my partners, my children... the the, the people that tested me the most and these can play roles across the board in in every single lifetime but we also interact with people from other soul groups as well but a soulmate somebody that is someone you know so it's a bit like walking into a room and meeting a long lost family member and because you would have lived other lifetimes with them before and because your soul is potentially vibrating at the same rate it's the same frequency and Michael Newton Dr. Michael Newton who wrote the book Life Between Lives talks about the fact that uh, different soul energies and different soul groups will have a different colour and in my mind it's the the colour the frequency the vibration it all means the same thing really but that's how souls identify themselves in that spirit realm place but we feel it we feel that vibration we know we can we can sense even though we might not be able to explain it logically when you meet somebody and it feels like you've known them forever there's a a knowing that goes beyond the ordinary remit so soulmates i believe are the ones that we are connected to and they've been connected to in many many lifetimes but a soulmate doesn't have to be a romantic partner a a soulmate be somebody that is anybody at all I think what they what people get mixed up with is the idea of a twin soul. Mm. Now, again, a twin soul is a soul aspect that has split in coming into the earth plane at the same time. Mm. So it's it's one essence of the same soul energy, but has chosen to come into more than one body at a time. Mm. And so that can often lead somebody to feel like there is a part of them missing, Mm. even though they are whole in and of themselves. And that twin soul connection can be really intense. I mean, it can be really, really powerful. But the same thing goes, it doesn't have to be a romantic partnership. So they can come in at different ages, they can come in in same sex, different sex, 
a, a, you know, a twin soul may come in to be a teacher for somebody. They don't necessarily have to be a romantic partner. And even if they are coming in as a romantic partner, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easy because they can mm. often really test each other. Mm. Because the one thing to really remember about all of this as a journey is that we know the plan that we make when we're in the spirit realms. So when we're planning and we're agreeing with all of these different souls about what we're going to work on and what we're going to experience and we plan it all and then we put little signposts along the way in case we miss it and people agree to come in and prompt us and remind us to keep us back on the path. Mm. But then we're born, we have complete amnesia, so we forget all of that unless we're really lucky and it's very rare that people do remember from the beginning. Um, And then we've got complete free will. Mm. So even though we're confronted with... The events that we're supposed to fulfill and the people turn up we don't have to follow it that's the bit that makes it much more challenging much more of a an adventure really that the knowing that we're not necessarily going to do what it is that we're supposed to yeah brilliant is this, is this and that's twi- why i think sometimes people need guidance yeah yeah for sure is this twin soul uh, splitting common well it appears to be more and more common than we think hmm. And one of the things that has started to emerge over the years, I guess where I'm allowing people to access and, and, and more freely go in, and it really with the, the hypnosis state, the information that you get is very dependent on the questions. So if you ask limiting questions, then you're going to get, then you're going to get some limiting answers. And what I found is that souls are now choosing and i think this may be to do with the fact that we are evolving and that we are uh we are kind of racing towards a a huge shift is that sometimes souls are splitting into more than one body at a time and sometimes they're splitting into several and sometimes more Mm. lots and that can provide all all kinds of challenges It, it can provide support and help if we, if we suddenly find ourselves meeting with, with other aspects of ourselves, um, it's, you know, it's very likely that each aspect will have developed different skills or different tools or different things that they can use that they can then support each other with. Hmm. What, what would be the reason at a soul level for a soul doing this soul splitting into different bodies? Well, I think it just accelerates things because if you've got a lesson that you need to work through hmm. and we need to do it in a balanced way. So let's say somebody's working on, on the idea of power, mm. then rather than doing it one lifetime at a time, then they could potentially split into five or six different bodies. One's going to go into a, a family where they're going to be totally powerless mm. and have to try and work through that. One's going to potentially go into a lifetime where they are in a position of, of absolute power and wealth and status. And then all of the different computations in between. And, and what they're able to do is then work through that same lesson almost all at the same time. And, and so, the, you know, if they, if they resolve it and, and find the answers that they need and, and, and complete that particular, that particular test and challenge, they can tick the box for it mm. and then they can move on and then move up to the next level. They can move up to a, a higher level of, of whatever the, the, the journey or whatever they're working on personally as a soul. Now, another term you mentioned earlier was soul group. This is a very interesting term. How would you describe a soul group, and, and are there many soul groups on the Earth plane at the moment? Well, for me, a soul group, like I said, it's a bit like it's a bit 
the same as the families that we have here on Earth, where we're born into a particular family, where it might be a small unit, where it may just be the parents and the children, or it may be that there are cousins and aunts and uncles and, and, and you know, these, these big evolving families that, that we see out there. And they're generally, a soul group is a, a group of souls that have split almost sort of with an intention of working on the same issue. The, the same challenge. Right. So a group of souls that will be of the same vibration, the same frequency, and they're, they're working together. And I have seen it that some souls, when they have, let's say one particular group is working on un- unconditional love, yeah. and they've worked through everything that they need to, every possible variation of that, and they've passed all the tests and they've, they've learned everything they need to, that mm. some will actually then go to another soul group that some will actually move on and find a soul group that's working on something else. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah, yeah. So, and it's, it's rare, but I've, I've seen it happen on, on more than one occasion. Okay, okay. And could you say something, just to give an example of a soul group about your own soul group, what do you know, have you got any insight into your old soul group, own soul group? Well, my soul group was hilarious. When I got up into that space between lives to, to meet up with them, they were kind of split in two. And it made absolute sense to me. And one group was very pious. They were very saintly and holy and they were very devoted and they were focused on the mission and they were, you know, uh, with a very spiritual outlook. It was all about knowledge and it was all about wisdom and it was all about learning. Um, and then on the other side, there was a group that were completely ramshackle and they were gypsies and they were dancing and they were singing and they were drinking and they were partying and they were trying to suck the very marrow out of every single experience that they were having and I thought yeah that just about okay. sums it up because throughout my life it's it's often been a split I have either been a total devotee of the path of spirituality or I've been a hedonist right. so it made complete sense to me and, and neither group really wanted to acknowledge the other yeah. and it was all you know and again it's pure unconditional love and total acceptance there was no judgment of good or bad or right or wrong, but these two groups didn't really mix. Okay. <laughs> so completely contrasting sides right. of my nature, and it almost feels like it's been a competition throughout my lifetimes as to which aspect of my nature or that soul energy was was going to win out. So it was quite funny. Okay. Now here's a concept I haven't. I don't know if you've spoken about this before, but uh, have you heard about the concept of walk-in? And if so, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I have. And generally, when somebody's talking about the idea of a walk-in, it's usually that a, a, a soul has come to the end of the allocated time that they were going to have on the earth plane. Because that's the only thing that I believe yeah. is actually predestined and set, you know, the moment at which someone's going to leave. Okay. I mean, it may be that it's when they've accomplished and completed their mission. If they get it done early, they may need, they may be able to leave early. Yeah. But I but I think that the, 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 the time at which they go, which when you think about some people who have had ridiculous accidents and walked out unscathed, mm. and other people who've been walking down a street and a, you know, a, half a house lands on their head and suddenly they're gone, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So the time is determined. And so if a soul wants to come in and have an experience, but they don't want to go through the whole great big long cycle of being reborn and growing up and going through all of that, that they've done all of that bit, that they don't need to complete that. They may make an agreement, and at the point at which 
the uh, one particular soul's life ends mm. because it's destined to, they may then at that point when that one soul leaves, then step into that physical body. Mm. And so essentially a walk-in is a soul that is other than the one that was originally in that body when it was first born on the earth plane. Okay, great. And that's different and opposed to somebody who has a spirit attachment or uh, somebody that might be what we would call possessed, where an energy attachment has actually latched on to yeah. an existing soul, and that soul is still in the body. Yeah, so there's a kind of exchange of souls. Separate. One walks out, another one walks exactly. in. Exactly. One goes and another one walks in. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. So it is a bit like it says on the tin. Okay. Yeah. Now, you mentioned like that one of the things that we do uh, is fixed is our kind of leaving, even though it could be a bit earlier if we finish our mission. Could you say something about the death experience for a soul, about the leaving um, mm. yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing how much time I do actually spend with death. Yeah. And uh, I, was, I was always very philosophical about it anyway, because I always believed that people were going to a better place. But in my work, so when, when I take people into their other lifetimes, particularly their past life experiences, I always take them. We, we get insights and information about who they were and what they were doing. But for me, the most important part is the death point, because mm. it's showing us what was left undone or unfinished at the end of their life. So the last thoughts that they have, the emotions that they experience at the end of their lifetime, whether it was regret, whether it was fear, whether it was, uh, you know, sometimes it's just a need to carry on, that they were doing something that was really important to them. Mm. And so I allow my clients to, to, to go through that, to, to be aware of what was happening. And then they all go through that journey. And of course, it's very similar every time to what has been reported for centuries. And, you know, whether we're looking at um, the work of Dr. Ron uh, uh, Moody, who, uh, Raymond Moody, sorry, who had been researching the, you know, near-death experiences and, and what happened, this idea of a soul floating up and out of the body and immediately leaving behind all of the, the, the sort of, you know, the heaviness or the, the, the suffering, uh, going to a review space often being met by loved ones, being being met by souls that they recognize, that they remember, and whether that's people that were with them in that lifetime, or their soul group, or their spirit guides, or, or even sometimes angelic presences that will come and meet them. And then they go away and they learn about that lifetime they've just lived. And they, they get the opportunity to, uh, to, to re-experience and see what the the lessons were, what was completed, what was, what was you know, not, not finished. And so there's also a, a recognition of the space of non-judgment that happens in, in that realm. That the only people that are really judging whether an experience on the earth plane is good or bad is the person themselves or the soul themselves when they float up. So my clients tend to lose all fear of death once they've experienced that because they see it as something that's very positive and it's something that is uh, way easier than they thought it was going to be. Brilliant. So... Um if anybody wants to connect with your work, I guess your your website, I believe, is um, innerjourneys.co.uk, is that right? Yes, that's right. Or they can find me on lorraineflaherty.com as well. Brilliant. Well, thanks, Lorraine, for chatting with me, and uh, all the best with your work. Well, thank you very much. It was a, a pleasure to speak to you, as always. Mm -hmm.